Hello, this is Bill Sullivan. I'm the Vice President and General Manager for Denodo, the logical data platform company. Joining Mr. Ted Cotterill, uh, the Chief Privacy Officer and General Counsel for Indiana's Data Agency and the Founding Secretary and Treasurer of StateRamp for today's discussion on behalf of Chief Data Officer Magazine. Ted, we're honored to have you with us and excited to learn about what you're up to there in Indiana. Um, first of all, just by way of introduction, I, I was reading that you're obviously an attorney and your practice has focused mostly on privacy, ethics, and governance issues presented by AI, big data, cloud services, and product development across various standards and regulatory frameworks. Those are certainly a, it's a hot topic, you know, whether it's AI, big data, cloud, uh, you're certainly hitting it at strategic level there in the state government market. You're an advocate for innovation in government. Obviously, what you're doing is leading the way there in Indiana, and you believe in the promise and value of state ramp to shift and enhance our security culture, cybersecurity culture, enabling continuous improvement in governments across the United States. Did I capture it all correctly? I think so. You know, it's a mouthful, but uh, we've been busy here in Indiana in the last few years, so try to sort of fit it all in. Not flashy, but you're honest, good Midwestern folks. You get a lot done quickly, and uh, we're, we're grateful for you to join us with CDO Magazine today. Thank you. Thank you. So before we jump into uh, your, your substantial professional qualifications, uh, and, and I do also want to add congratulations on being named uh, uh, 2023 Top Doers, Dreamers, and Drivers by GovTech, uh, and also designated an up-and-coming lawyer by Indiana Lawyer. Um, tell us a little bit about how you got here. Did, I mean, where, did you grow up in Indiana? What did your parents do? Were they attorneys? Yeah, I grew up in Indiana. Uh, my parents are both publishing entrepreneurs uh, throughout the Midwest, really, but focused mostly in Indianapolis. And I have an older sibling that that's an attorney, uh, an uncle, some, some older cousins that were attorneys, and kind of putting those two approaches, those two practice areas together. Um, I think that success as both an attorney and as a privacy officer involves entrepreneurship. So if you're, as an attorney, if you're building a practice or a privacy officer that's building a privacy program and trying to, trying to build that energy and that culture, you're gaining and retaining clients, um, trying to add value to their operations. That, uh, whatever those conversations were at night that my parents were having when I was a, a kid, I think I must have absorbed some of that. Um, and then going a little further back to the creation of MPH in 2017, um, it was a data startup within state government. Yeah. We had to form a team, bring the right competencies on board, draft our charter, really our enabling statute in, in government parlance, um, advocate for funding. We didn't have to go to VCs, but we had to go to our, our budget leaders in the General Assembly and articulate the ROI on this, this new data thing, right? Build the culture, create wins, leverage those into lasting relationships. It's... Um, We've been doing a lot, and I think we've got a good story to tell here. Yeah. Now, this was your first public. I, I agree. You, you've got a startup on behalf of government within government, to be clear, correct? And was this your first public office? Is the first opportunity you had to to to, to work for the state? I, well, I got my start after undergrad um, working in Governor Mitch Daniels' administration, which was really this 
uh, bastion of forward progress in Indiana, bringing Indiana uh, into the 21st century. So it really started there, and I saw what some of those for folks were doing, and I think I worked to emulate it. That was the forefront of the whole reinventing government at the state level, if I recall correctly. It's been a couple of years, but uh, yeah. That's right. Okay. So that was obviously a driving consideration for you. You understood government at a detailed level. Was that before you went to law school? I went to law school. Uh, I went to law school at night while I worked uh, in my first role in state government. Wow. Wow. Okay. Well, fantastic. That's a great story. Thank you. Um, what are the, as you look at it, you know, you're transitioning into state government and a public service. What are the, the two or three things uh, that you most enjoy about it? We'll start there. Um, this idea that, that government service really is, I, I say service, um, service-oriented uh, young professionals. So I'm thinking back to me in my 20s. You get to be at the table with decision makers much earlier than I think you might be able to in a private sector context. And the result is that you have this opportunity to really shape uh, government's response to the complex challenges that we face. And like any state across the nation, Indiana has them. And it's been it's really fulfilling in that respect. Um, And I I don't know, I just I enjoy that aspect of it so much that we we are presented with difficult issues and time and time again get to bring the right folks together, the right technologies to bear to address them. Right. How about, uh, you know, that's an interesting observation too. I know a lot of colleges and universities now uh, as a con- component of their quote government program, they have uh, uh, actually policy. They study policy, the formation of policy, how to get it through the, the process. So clearly um, you had an on the job training on that and you've done, done brilliantly well with it. We'll give you an A on that. What are some of the uh, frustrations you've had so far? coming into uh, your role? You know, I think it, my frustrations would relate most to when I put on my citizen hat. Um, not, not so much about me, but really if I think about navigating government, um, self-service models obviously in the last 10, 15 plus years have come to the forefront. I spent some time uh, running the IN.gov program in Indiana, our self-service, our enterprise web portal, which is fantastic. Uh, but user expectations are set by the Googles and by the Microsofts. And we have to continue to meet people where they are. And I, I really do believe that that is always a moving target. We have a lot of work to do to make it easier, whether it's something identity solutions or more interoperability with systems. Um, that that continues to be, I wouldn't say so much um, of a frustration from my perspective internally, but when I put on my citizen hat, it's something I think about. Um, if I have another example, it's, it's this encouraging the next generation to serve. Um, I got my start. uh, I was pretty young, just coming out of undergrad, fresh faced and, and eager to, to do something and to make my mark. Um, I really hope that, that today's students that are coming out either of undergrad or in a lot of tech roles. Uh, they have vocational training. They have the they have cybersecurity certifications or the like. Um, just want them to understand the value that they can add right at the beginning of their careers. Right. Terrific. Terrific. Yeah, it's funny you should say that that the uh, the commercial ses- sector sets the expectations for government 
in uh, just the other day, I received a postcard from the IRS having asking, how was my experience with the IRS in this tax season? I, I, I deferred answering the question. Obviously, I was thrilled to pay my taxes and happy to contribute to the success of our great country. But uh, it was interesting to see. I, I think AWS started that. And now uh, everybody is you know, trying to find out how is your interaction with our country, our company, or in this case, our, our government agency. So you, you, it's a particularly insightful observation on your part. Um, transitioning a little bit here, uh, for those unfamiliar with state government, we may have some viewers that, you know, they 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 pay their taxes they return their library books and they register their dog and that's kind of their extent of interaction with the state government it actually is uh in aggregate 40 percent larger than the federal government um there's a number of verticals that comprise state government there's a health and human services everything from uh, human services to uh medicare medicaid uh, finance and administration criminal justice public safety education transportation the environment uh, insurance, et cetera. Um, from a public spending and technology perspective, typically health and human services are the largest, um, but there's a lot of Byzantine rules around governing data privacy and security. Um, how, how have you managed to uh, overcome some of the rules that almost require government to keep the data separate? You know, we were speaking earlier that the governor wants a view of his entire state's operations. What are, you know, how have you been able to overcome some of that as the chief data officer? Right. So, and, and, and I work with our chief data officer uh, serving, serving in the CPO role. So in 2017, governor Eric Holcomb comes into office and says to his team, we're going to be data driven, right? We're, we, we want to deliver great government service at great value to, to Hoosier taxpayers, Hoosiers, you've heard that term. Um, people, people in Indiana are, are citizens. And I think here we really, we knew that, that the regulatory hurdles were real and we designed a, a really simple solution to what is, what seems to be a complex problem. So we crafted what we refer to as the Indiana Open Data Act. This is the enabling statute for, for the management performance hub and, and really codified this idea of, um, uh, really open data sharing between our state agency business units and then unlocking data for community-based civic organizations to the extent that we can under law uh, yeah. so that they can make that highest and best use of it, right? And, and in going through this drafting process for our enabling statute, we crafted MPH as kind of a master key. Uh, we, we needed to amend each of those statutes. So you mentioned HIPAA. Also, FERPA for education records, uh, 42 CFR2, substance use disorder records. It's very locked down. So under HIPAA, we're going to be a business associate. Under FERPA, oh, we're okay. an enterprise representative. Under substance use disorder, we're, we're an auditor and evaluator. We're, we're kind of a transformer in that respect. And we're, we are what we need to be under the regulation that applies to be able to, to enable our access to data. And then we, we get to the more complex um, downstream third-party use, um, and I think we can talk about that more, but it's, it really is, I believe, um, a novel solution to this, to the U.S.'s sector-specific approach, domain-specific approach to privacy. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much. We appreciate your time today, Ted. All right. You too, Bill. Thank you. Thank you.